This is the Working Drummer Podcast, featuring conversations with ground-level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music. Hey everyone, this is Matthew Kraus, and you are listening to the podcast Working Drummer. Today, my guest is drummer, speaker, actor, author, and podcaster, Rich Redman. Rich is an award-winning recording and touring drummer based in Nashville and Los Angeles. As an in-demand artist, Rich has recorded, toured, and performed with, most notably, Jason Aldean, but also Carrie Underwood, Ludacris, Kelly Clarkson, Brian Adams, Bob Seger, Joe Perry, Garth Brooks, Chris Stapleton, Jewel, Miranda Lambert, and many, many others. Rich has had the honor of being voted Country Drummer of the Year by Modern Drummer Magazine in 2010, 2016, 17, and 18. Drum Magazine voted Rich one of the 60 best rock drummers of all time. Rich has a brand new book called Making It in Country Music, An Insider's Guide to the Industry. If you want to support what Zach and I have been doing here on the podcast since 2015, you can join our Patreon page for as little as a dollar a month. You can access the bonus material that our former guests have contributed. This includes song breakdowns by Will Kennedy and Ash Sohn, just to name a few. Aaron Apters on there talks about load versus capacity with uh, physical aspects of drumming. And as of this recording of April 2023, we have a recent former guest, Kyle May, who talks about the different snare drums he uses in his home recording. And it's, it's just amazing. It's almost 20 minutes of him going through this amazing track and his great performance. So, so again, for as little as a dollar a month, you can access all this bonus material. And if Patreon isn't your thing, you can make a one-time donation through PayPal, and you can find that link on our website at workingdrummer.net. Rich is one of those guys I've known since I moved to Nashville back in 2000. And uh, when I first started the podcast, he was one of those friends that I just needed to have on and was definitely the shot in the arm that this podcast needed early on. I believe he was episode 21 back in 2015. But uh, we keep crossing paths and he has this new book out and it just was the perfect time to have him come back on, talk about what's been going on the last eight years and the new book and uh, the podcast that he's been doing. So there's a lot going on, and I'm very excited about this conversation and for y'all to hear it, and I hope you enjoy this conversation with Rich Redman. got it written down. I had to find it. 2015. June of 2015. We started in January of 2015. uh, Episode 21. Well, dude, thanks. So your episode was uh, of drinking age, legal, legally drinking age. Yeah, we were drinking age, yeah. We were (laughs) drinking 2015. So it's been eight years. And um, anybody that's listening wants to go back. We cover a lot of history 
the beginnings, we were kind of in that mode of let's start at the beginning. How did you discover drums? And I like that model, yeah. but I kind of got tired of it. And um, everyone's story started to kind of match this kind of how did it start arc the same narrative and it's like i get it and there's some unique things that everyone's story has that we can try and extract but so i encourage anybody that wants to go back to that um what i lack in interviewing skills i make up in youthful exuberance well dude eight years i mean you're gonna get better just from you know just time in the trenches you know what i mean yeah i mean hopefully uh (laughs) totally we're just having a conversation here into these crazy things that are turning our voice into ones and zeros that's true um but tell me about you've been in nashville for 25 years but last eight years since the last time we talked yeah tell me like some things and we're gonna we're gonna talk about your new book yeah. Uh, some other things that have been happening. Um, but I'm really curious to know how things have changed for you in the last eight year, eight years with in relation to your time here in Nashville. Sure. And Los Angeles, for that matter. Yeah, I got so many things. Eight years. That would have put us at, at like around 2015, right, when when I was last on. So, um, God, let's do the math. You know, um, I, you know I've been, thank God, so grateful uh, with Al Dean. Um, since 99. So that's, what is that? 24 years, mm-hmm. which is pretty incredible. And, you know, the first five were trying to get him established and then the, you know, the, the record comes out and, you know, just looking at if touring since consistently since 2004, that's, you know, 19 years of consistent touring, which is incredible. So if you go back to the last eight years, you know, his star has just continued to, to rise. So 2015, we had done the, um, a double, Bill with uh, Chesney doing 11 stadiums. And that was really fun because there was like 80,000 people for a stadium. So in 11 shows, we played to almost like a million people. Mm -hmm. So that was fun. That was kind of fun to check that box. And right now we're um, unbelievably, we're working on his 11th record, which is, which is really incredible. And that whole time I've been working with my friend and drum tech, Johnny Hull, Johnny Hull and I have been together since um, 2010. So that's a long time cultivating that relationship we got a married uh you know i was the uh i gave a speech i was the dj and i was the mc at his wedding so he's he saved a lot of money there he you know three and one he got he got with me there uh so he's all married up and everything which is which is incredible um so i i put out more books in that amount of time i released drumming in the modern world.com my training program um i moved a bunch of drums to los angeles and yeah played the Viper and played the whiskey and put a little jazz fusion group together called Kawanga. And we played all oh, sorts wow. of wine bars and jazz bars. Got to record at Sunset Sound, you know, oh, where Van awesome. Halen did their first yeah, record. Yeah. Um, in that amount of time on a lot of Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays at great expense, somehow I studied acting, improv comedy, hosting, and voiceover. And in under five years, I got my SAG card as an actor. And there's- You mentioned that. You know, there's people that have been acting for 25 years that are like, how'd you do it? I was like, man, you just show up, you've set your mind to it. You just figure out a way to do it. So that happened. Um, Been recording at, you know, my crash studio, recording on Music Row, recording in Los Angeles. So it's just been amazing, man. Just trying to keep moving that ball down the field, you know, staying active and- creative um doing my keynote speeches you know now i'm a now i'm a paid corporate mc i just hosted a 
three-day financial event at the Grand Hyatt where I'm literally at eight in the morning. I have to be the most high energy person in the room. I have to introduce the panelists. I moderate panels. Mm-hmm. I have to keep the energy going. I have to do all the housekeeping. I get to wear a cool jacket. They hooked a lapel mic on me and I just get to be like a, you know, like a Mario Lopez type personality, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. So I figured other ways to kind of like be creative and, um, maybe nurture some, you know, God-given talents that aren't the drums, but are kind of in that same... Do you have fun doing the stuff? I, I mean, love you... it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I had a, I had an epiphany doing this MC work because after it was done and while it was happening, I was like, this is so fun. This feels so natural. This is so in my lane. This is something I could do for the next 20 years and I'm not outside digging ditches it mm-hmm. pays really, really well. You get to meet all sorts of fun people mm-hmm. and it's entertainment, Yeah, you know? So, so I know that we, you know, we consider ourselves entertained. Of course, we're musicians. We're serious, you know, musicians. We have our pedagogical training and that's, and that has been great for us, but also we're entertainers, you know? So yeah. I think as drummers, we forget that because, and we talk about this on the podcast where we have a lot of us who are consider ourselves introverts and we have to pretend to be extroverts and whether it's interacting on stage connecting with the audience sure. um and and a lot of us i think a lot of the community sees you rich redman as somebody that is not an introvert as somebody that has this natural ability to connect with people at a level that is like i don't know if i can do that but i <laughs> i think i can well you don't have to because everybody's you know the beautiful thing is is that we're all snowflakes were all so unique like mm-hmm. every snowflake that falls to earth is completely unique i mean that's like proof of god you know what yeah. i mean and each of us are so um unique and that's why when we're learning our instrument you know they say good composers borrow but great composers steal we can just steal from each other and if you and i sat down at this same 1970s blue Vista Light drum set and have to play the same beat at the same tempo, we're both going to sound completely different because mm-hmm. we are one of a kind. Yeah. Once you realize that you are so special and you are one of a kind, then you could just own that, you know? One of the things I, I wanted to ask you about, and, and I feel like this is a good time to ask this, is the last time I had you on back in 2015, episode 21... <laughs> You and I'm paraphrasing, but you said something to me that has resonated ever since. You said it is time for us to pass this information along. Yeah. Like I'm at a place where it's time to share this information. And I was really making that transition. I just started the podcast and it was like, wow, you're right. I'm at a place in my life and in my career where it's time to give back. It's time. There's a new generation that's coming in and that's happened. And I, I felt really empowered by that statement that you made. Oh, wow, that was great. great. Wow. Um, so you've reached a place in your career and your life where young players were inspired by what they've learned from you uh, and, and now are working in the industry yeah, as cool. full-time players. It's great to see. How does that make you feel? Oh, it feels so good. You know, um, <laughs> it's so funny. I just had another student from one of my drummer's weekends um, – you know, turned 20 and graduated college and he moved to Nashville and he's living in this apartment complex that's right up the street. And this, I forget the name of the apartment complex, but it's less than a mile from here. 
And it seems to be like a rite of passage apartment complex because I think that's the name. Yeah. I mean, it's the it's and there's like there's a couple of these apartment complexes in L.A. too, where like, you know, new actors, they move to town and they they and they live in this community like everybody in the apartment comp is like they're they're all musicians or creatives or actors. Um, but anyways, the, a, a new new student of mine just moves there. He's He's been here for like. Two weeks. I met him the day he moved to town. I went and said, "Hey, yeah. man, good good luck." You know how exciting. You know, but that you you pass along this information, and then I encourage people to to move to Nashville. Like a lot of people would be like, "Don't do that. You're setting them up for so much." strife and heartache and heartbreak, you know? And it's like, look, you don't want to be a member of the woulda, coulda, shoulda club. You want to, you don't want to, you want to mitigate regret in your life. So mm. if you come here and you have a rough year, but you, you tough it out and then you get to year two and then you're starting to work on a lower Broadway, you're getting called for some showcases, you're playing on some little demos. Maybe you're jumping in a van and you're going and playing one of those circuit bands that does 45 on, 15 off, 45 on, 15 off, and then you stay in the band. You're in the, you popped it. You're, you know, you kicked the door open. You've started yeah. your journey. That yeah. wouldn't have happened if you stayed in Fargo, North Dakota, yeah. or some little town in Florida. You got to go to where the action is. So these kids are coming here and they're doing it, man. I've got a friend of mine, Jimmy Elcock. He's been here for over, right over a decade. I met this guy in a barn eating cohogs in New Hampshire. And he tells me he's a drummer. I say, yeah, kid, great. Like, this is what you got to do. This is what you got to do. He does it. He goes to college. He graduates college. He moves to Nashville. He's playing with Mitchell Tenpenny. He's opening for us this year. That's awesome. So I'm going to be with my buddy that I said 10, 12 years ago, you got to move to Nashville. And he made it happen. Yeah. That is incredible. Well, one thing that inspired me uh, to bring this up is, again, that statement you made resonated with me. I was, we were talking about this before, I was just uh, uh, invited as a guest on the National Drummers podcast. And one of the things I talk about is, because we've done, been doing the podcast for so long, I have people that started listening to this show and probably listening to your episode and decided, I'm going to do this. I have the tools to at least put my foot in in the door and, yeah. and see what I can do and now are doing it. And then they've risen to a level of, you know, doing things that I'm like, you need to be a guest on here. So there are examples of that. Wow. It's crazy. It's, it's well, and you think about eight years, that's a high school education. That's a college education. I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so like eight years, a lot of things can happen. If they go to college. Yeah. Two, that's two presidencies, man. You know, I mean, some people, there's no rhyme or reason to success in the music business. You got people that like grew up with the sticks in their hands when they were in diapers and they have a family band and they just know how to play country and Western music. Right. Or maybe they're a rock drummer, you know, by trade and they, they skip college and they, they just do the thing. They go and they play every Marriott in the world. Like our guitar player, Kurt, he didn't go to college, but he played every Marriott in the world in his dad's band. And so he knew how to be a working musician. And then you have guys like us that are like completely overeducated, mm -hmm. going to college, play the vibraphone, play the Japanese marimba piece, play this five timpani piece, do this prepared percussion piece. That's all great stuff stuff and we all might be up for the same gig you know what i mean it doesn't matter because because it's 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 how we play it's what we bring to the table with the whole package how we get along with the guys in the band does the front person are they inspired and motivated um by what we do 
we're all we can all be up for the same jobs, man. You know. Yeah, yeah, and there's so much about. Uh, there's so much required for every type of gig that if you don't get called for it, you can't take it personally because it's like, it could be a, a variety of things. A, a friend of mine said, I, I did the audition. Everyone's like, you know, man, this is great. You, you did a really great job. Yeah. I, I think there's good thing. He, he just walked away thought, man, I've got the gig. And they went with someone else. And he goes, I don't feel bad about it. I did, I did my best. I felt like I played really well. That's all you could do. And then you have to release it to the audition gods. Exactly. You know, see, in, act, in acting, Auditioning is still the the way it happens. In Nashville, I don't remember the last time there was a cattle call audition. Right. This now, came up recently. It's yeah. all relationships. Yes. It's all relationships. So if somebody needs a drummer, it's going to come down to the front person, the band leader, somebody in the band, management, someone on the inside is going to say, throws their friend's name in the hat. Yeah. The thing is, is you want to be friends with as many people as possible right? and have them realize that you can do the job and then your name will get thrown around. But I don't remember the last time. I mean, before I moved to Nashville, I auditioned with Trisha Yearwood, Dina Carter and Barbara Mandrill in a one month period of time. And I never got the job because they told me you didn't live in Nashville. I should have lied. I said, yeah, I live right up the street. I said, I was living in Dallas at the time. Mm -hmm. So I should have just lied and said, oh yeah, I'm, I live up here at this apartment complex, yeah, the right yeah. of passage apartments. You know what I mean? <laughs> but that was almost like the last time I, I mean, maybe along the way there was some, but big cattle calls. I mean, not, you know, remember the Greg Bissonette days where there was like a hundred drummers auditioning for David Lee Roth and Greg went in there, did a drum solo, read an odd time chart down, nailed the stuff, was an affable, likable guy, got the job and they went out and they told the other 98 guys, sorry, we got the guy. You yeah. know what I mean? That yeah. doesn't happen anymore, I don't think. Well, a, a couple of things about that. Um, so first of all, it's important not to burn bridges. It's a very small community. Oh God. Yeah. Uh, also, what is it? Uh, uh, why aren't there cattle calls? Is it social media? Is it the hmm. ability to access information? Like, well, I don't know this guy. Oh, here, check it out. You pull up a video on on their phone. It's like, oh, nice. Yeah, like, looks good. I'm Guess like what? If you don't, and if you don't have a website or an EPK, or if you're not on social media, you are totally shooting yourself in the foot because it's the most efficient way in in this modern era of people that are so pulled in so many directions and are so busy. It's the best way for people to see what you look like, how, what you look like when you play, how you sound, your overall essence, mm -hmm. you know, your, your essence. And, you know, people tap into that. I think the reason why, um, cattle calls aren't happening anymore is because it's an assumption that you're going to be able to do the gig, but the 98% is the other stuff, the likability, the, the overall package is this guy going to be able to do i like this person because i have to ride a bus with him for 22 hours a day so that's what that's almost important more important someone vouching for your interpersonal skills right and that's hard to get to know in a short audition time yeah, yeah and especially yeah. our music is a lot of the music coming from nashville let's face it it's not rocket science it's three chords in the truth there's a lot of boom boom pap so a lot of people are going to be able to do that. So I feel like Would you a call lot of money beats, maybe the money beats. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be one of those five or a subset of those. Um, so that's why I feel like the, the big picture is even more important. Tell me about like do's and don'ts of social media. Since we have established that this is such an important component. Well, I've made mistakes, you know, and my friend, um, 
Kevin Murphy, who is not afraid to voice his opinions on things. Kevin, what's up, buddy? We're overdue. Love you. Called me a promosexual. And I said, thanks, Kevin. But no, I mean, it's like, you know what? When people razz you and they and they dig at you, it's usually because they like you deep down. Right. So we have this yeah. community here where it's like we can mention some of each other's names and like, you know, if I'm not around, I'm sure there's going to be a p- couple of people in the group. They're going to do eye rolls or like, God, I wish you would take a break or <laughs> gee, you know what I mean? But but for the most part, we you know, we'll all get together over whatever fried fish and a couple of canned beers and we're going to love on each other. You yeah. know, this is a very lovable um, drum community. You know, it really is. That being said, Rich, I met you like the day I moved here, man, over 20 years ago in yeah. 2000. You have always taken the time to say hello. You've always remembered my name. And it's like you've always been doing things. And I'm like, this is great. This is cool. He's doing he's doing it. But he still takes time. And then the inspiration that you pass on to young players is something that I, I, I respect. Well, thank an, you, an insane so amount. Well, so and I, I'm very, I'm really happy for you and proud of you that you've been able to, you know, it, the whole, you've been able to manifest your dreams at the same time you've been able to have a well-rounded quality of life, you know, which is yeah. something I, you know, I'm a workaholic and I have never been able to pull, keep it all together, like the whole thing. Well, and I think that's why we can have... Uh, more than 10 interviews and call it quits. Okay, all the information's been shared. Yeah. Everyone has a unique story, a yeah. unique path. And so when when they're listening to you talk, they're like, I like, I'm going to take this and this and this, and that's going to work for me. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's path is different. Uh, and thank goodness, like you say, yeah. snowflakes, you know. I mean, new media is a gift to, to, to humanity. I mean, the fact that we can sit here with two microphones into a computer and we could take all of our thoughts and ideas and let the whole world listen to it on demand is like crashing a million coffee dates with people. It's unbelievable. Well, and I consider myself somewhat of an introvert. So I, at the beginning, this was like an opportunity to connect with people and to kind of reinforce some friendships, Yeah, but also kind of learn from my peers without feeling like I had to lie to them and say, yeah, we should do coffee and then never follow through. <laughs> well, how do I do this? And well, I was 15 minutes late today. I was like, dude, I need an iced coffee. Well, I had plenty to do as, as always, um, you know, uh, but speaking of like getting things done and doing things. Uh, so I, I had to, every once in a while I write, out questions word for word because it's <laughs> well you do great research you know you do real for your guests you really do oh thank you man thanks yeah. I, I i feel like at the end of the day i don't have to rely too much on the notes by the time i'm done it's like writing a chart for a song yep. it's like well geez i know the song now you know yeah, well, out every lick writing the chart helps you learn the song yes and for the record i've written a lot of jason aldean charts for gigs that I've done. Oh my God. You're probably like, God, this guy's got a very limited vocabulary. No, 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 no. Not at all, man. Well, the funny thing is, is that when you think about country music, modern country music, um, the tempos correlate to the strum pattern on a guitar. And most strum patterns, jing, jigging, jong, jigging, you're somewhere between 69 and 89 BPM. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's funny, you know, with the, with the body of work we have with Jason, there's so much falls, falls between 69 and 89. And it's rare to have something a little bit faster. Sometimes there's in the mid nineties and 
the early 100s, the fastest song we've had with the 20, all these years together is uh, still our first single, Hicktown, 123 BPM. I think I recorded it at 121.5. We couldn't, we didn't like 121 and we didn't like 122. So we did 121.5 using a Boss Dr. Groove drum machine as a click. Wait. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And now live, we do it at 123. As a general rule, kids, you're live, you're going to go up at least one click, but usually two. Yeah, 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 yeah. From the recorded performance. Yeah. Dude, it's it's a trip, man. It's a trip. Um, okay, so can you talk about unforeseen time management hurdles when being self-employed? <sighs> yeah. Um, I was reading a... I follow a lot of motivational speakers. This is a gal named Mel Robbins. I really like her. And she did a video the other day about how she was in her late forties diagnosed with ADHD. And I would probably have it because she said six signs, you know, you have ADHD, Mm -hmm. um, walking into rooms, not knowing why you walked into the room, (laughs) looking for your phone when it's in your hand. Did that yesterday. Um, uh, in just, you know, having a million browser windows open at the same time, literally in your life. Like, but you know what? I think drummers at the same time are extreme multitaskers. We're doing four things at the same time as our job. So, you know, people are like, Rich, you don't sleep. I mean, how do you, how do you write books, do a podcast, teach, travel? You, you know, I just figure out what I have to do that day. What is pressing on me that day? So I have a to-do list for that day and I attack the day. And then I know things that have to be done by the end of the week, right? And then I'm also looking at the calendar for the month. So I'm always thinking about time and, and meeting deadlines and everything. So, but if I can get my workout, like you and I see each other all the time at the right. YMCA. Yeah. And you could tell that we're, um, we're in a, a later chapter of our life because we're not using like traditional, like I just run the circuit on the way on the, the, you know, the, the machines, I call it good. We've, you and I have all these cool little kettlebell, little interesting things that help with our mobility or flexibility that, mm-hmm. that we've had to dig and learn because they're not just like standard things. You learn, let's go hit the Nautilus machines, you know, yeah. but, but I see you all the time there. Um, if I can get that done first, it's amazing. But today didn't get it done. Didn't get done because, right. you know, so, but after this, I'm going to go try to make that thing happen. And then I got to be in Donaldson at 530. So I'm hoping that I could squeeze an hour of something in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 30 minutes cardio, 30 minutes, minutes of stretching and strength. And and an hour is better than nothing, right? Well, that's the thing. And I want to talk about fitness, but I mean, for someone that is maybe coming, that are leaving their job where the, where the boss says, I need you here at this time and you work until this time. And, you know, maybe it's a young person that has spent their, you know, has grown up at school where there's structure and everything like that. So I, you know, my younger son is, wants to be a musician and we're always talking about time management. And if you get to a place in your life where you're self-employed and you have to be productive on your own, you have to know how to organize. You know, you know. So when you make lists, are you putting them on paper or using your phone? Both. You know, I, I think everybody's made that transition to their notepad and the iPhone. You know. Yeah. Um, but then I also do things where, like, I'll scribble the night before on some typing paper and sharpie, and I'll put it like right when I get when my foot hits the floor. It reminds me, don't forget to do this, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Take care of these things. You know. Um, 
right now. And the interesting thing about being in this chapter of our lives and doing so many things is there's less time to sit and play the drums by ourselves. If we're sitting down to play the drums, sometimes it's in servitude of got to prepare for this clinic, got to learn this tune, got to record today, you know, because we got to make a living. So it's rare that I'm saying I'm going to sit down and play with some Jamie Abersall tapes, you know, Mm -hmm. it just doesn't happen anymore. You know what I mean? Um, But hey, that's why I tell the kids do that between, you know, eight and 18. That's crucial, you know, get that time in. And then also, you know, 18 to 22 when you're, when you're in college, you know, if you, if you can practice six hours a day, you know, yeah get that stuff in. But yeah, it's all very, it's all very, very challenging. And, you know, using the notepad and the iCal and Google reminders and all that kind of stuff. But, but the idea is just to be methodical, be completely organized. And I think that's what things like college teaches kids. I think that's what things like the school of rock or rock stars of tomorrow or, um, Bach to rock. Those are the big three brands now where, where instead of worrying about like traditional, you got to learn how to read music and play styles and pedagogy. They just stick an instrument in a kid's hands and they say, look at, we're doing a Nirvana concert in two weeks, learn these Nirvana songs. And then in that amount of time, the kids know, oh, we have a deadline. We have time management. They learn about persistence. They learn about teamwork, being able to take direction. That's why all those, these new platforms are successful because not all these kids are going to become professional musicians, but they learn these life skills. Right, right, that they're right. going to learn no matter what their career track is. Probably do it subconsciously. They're just having so much fun, and yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Well, what about like your relationship? How do you carve it? Are you taking some time to be like, okay, I need to fit this in the calendar, but it has to be natural because you have a relationship. Yeah, I have a relationship. I can't believe she's put up with me five years. Um, and well, none of us can. So, uh, anyways, is-, is there a symbol? Um, <laughs> I need a splash. Um, you know what? I don't. You know, after after the after the uh, pandemic, I don't think that Wuhan China is as popular as it was. It's. <laughs> not that's you're, you're looking at uh patient zero right there <laughs> so cheap they would break after a week you know but they sound amazing um what are we talking about oh relationships oh yeah and 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 i had a um i had a bi-coastal relationship i mean i would care my girl kara was living in los angeles i was living here and i would fly to see her as much as possible and she would fly to see me and then we decided to you know um be with together in LA during the pandemic and she's moved here with me now and is trying to adjust to Nashville as a, as a person that's only lived in New York and Los Angeles. She's like, Whoa, this is crazy. What's a waffle house. Um, (laughs) but, uh, but you know, you know, we make it happen and, uh, you know, you just do things like when, if she's not working, then I try to lighten the load a little bit on that day. So maybe we can go have like a, a day date or, you know, that's what's the great thing about not having to answer to a, an, a corporate boss. You know, yeah. I mean, we kind of set our schedule, right. you know, and, and she's always telling me, I, I've never met anybody that works. She goes, you work seven days a week. She goes, you never take, even if you have a day of rest, there's some work going on, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I got that from my heroes. You know, I mean, I have, I have, there's people that I've modeled myself after in, in this industry and they work every day. Who are some of these heroes? Say like you look, I know people will go like, Rich, I can see that. But I always modeled my my work ethic after Kenny. Mm-hmm. Because in the day, he had drums in New York, Nashville, LA, London, and Japan. And he was living on airplanes when there was budgets. 
And, and the thing that I always pulled from him was the fact that, Hey man, this guy's got a day off and he's catching a red eye to go play on a record, hoping that there's no problems with the airline so he can get back and do a show the next day. Right. And he, he would risk it. He would take, he take, took more risks than I would because we, we can't travel on show days. You know, we always have to travel the day before, which is so smart because the airlines are so unreliable now, you know Especially what I mean? And, and I don't book layovers anymore. And I always used to book layovers because they were a little cheaper. And now I'm just like, I got to fly direct. But he just always um, never limited himself. He was a recording drummer. He was a touring drummer. He was an educator. And I said, I'm going to do whatever that is. Yeah, right. I'm doing that. Right. And that's why, that's why I took a bunch of drums and, um, you know, flew him out to LA and I pay for cartage out there because if the phone rings for something, I can use my own drums. I don't have to go to SIR or yeah, something yeah. like that. So, um, but now I, I don't necessarily feel like that model supports itself anymore. Like there's rare that a Nashville drummer is getting flown to Los Angeles to play on records. And it's, it's more common for an Angelino drummer to, to get flown to Nashville. So occasionally, you know, Matt Chamberlain will get flown here or Victor and Drizzo will get flown here. But, um, I think Matt's moving here. Oh, is he? That's what I heard. The word on the street is Matt Chamberlain is moving here. So you got Aaron Sterling, you got Matt Chamberlain, you know, before you know it, everybody will be here. Cause I feel like this is truly one of the last places for the music business in the sense where you can still have a life. You have, we've got dirt. I think that's what's changed about the last eight years since we last spoke. So many people that, moving here. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that's why I wanted to know, like, how has your relationship with L.A. changed in the last eight years? Yeah, it's interesting. I remember when I met Tommy Clefettas, who moved here, Ozzy Strummer. Oh, wow. Um, I mean, if you look up Arena Rock Stadium, hard rock metal drummer in the dictionary there's a picture of tommy i mean this guy's got the hair shirtless the twirls and he did like a arena rock solo with ozzy osbourne i was like that's how that is done oh my god the reason i got to see him play is because for some reason we were on a strange booking together we did sturgis and aldine opened for ozzy <laughs> it was crazy, but I got to see Tommy play, but Tommy was like, man, LA has changed. It's really hard. If you don't have a gig, like a touring gig, it's hard to pay that mortgage. There's less work around town in LA. There's le yeah, there's less yeah, sessions, sure. yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of home recording, but there's, you know, who's doing the big Marvel movies and the, and the big film scores, Kurt Piscara, John Robinson, Russ Miller, um, uh, Bernie Dressel, Greg Bissonette. It's a small list of the doing the big, big dates, you know, right. and then there's other stuff happening. Um, and one person can do multiple sessions and they can kind of massage the schedule so that it's accommodating where when you're on the road or you're doing a tour, it's like you're the guy. You know, that person is doing that. They're doing it. There's no room for anyone else. Yeah. So, yeah, it's that's that's there's less room for more people. In that scenario, I get that. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just a very, very expensive city unless you got in twenty years ago. Yeah. But I have, you know, when I when I'm pulled to do something, I have in my boxes that I want to check in my life. Again, mitigating regret. Um, I'm just like I want to play some of these iconic venues, I, and so that that was how I lived in both cities for seven years. I kept it afloat somehow. Taking a break right now, like you know what I mean? Because now I. 
I, I don't have two cars and two sets of insurances and, you know, I had, I had rent out there and, you know, uh, you know, you go to get a green smoothie and a salad and you, you know, you have spent a hundred dollars before dinner out there paying for parking, paying for your smoothie. I mean, you can, you're, it just, it's a money pit. Yeah. But the yeah. sun shines and it's 70 degrees and it's yeah. so inspiring. There's like a, it, there's a feeling of, of, of ambition. Like everyone's working on something and it's so loud. It's like ringing in your ears, the ambition. Everybody's mm. trying to do something here. It's the same thing in Nashville, but it's just quieter. It's slower. It's, it's more, it's more polite. You know what I mean? Which is a good thing, especially if you're yeah. a parent and you're wanting to raise kids and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's why Nashville is becoming so popular. And guess what? We've been here for 20 years. So yeah, feels great. Well, and raising kids uh, 20 years ago uh, was sus at the best because the education wasn't great and we had to navigate that. Yeah. It's gotten better. And luckily, with my wife's wisdom, we were able to navigate that in, in a really great way. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's interesting because I've traveled to the point where I come back to Nashville and I'm, I came here for music, not thinking about anything else. But I'm like, man, Tennessee is beautiful. Yeah. And for the most part, the weather is pretty great. I, I just hate the the gray months, you know. Well, I'm from Ohio, so yeah. so it's it's marketably different. It's like, oh god. Sometimes we're like, that's like an Ohio. It feels day. like Birmingham, England. You know, yeah. it's like it's for like four months a year. Where Texas, it's sun constantly. <laughs> yeah. What uh, Jeff Hartso described, uh, Houston. Uh, oh, summertime, it's 417 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm a sun chaser, so you know. Who knows? Maybe my career will keep me here the rest of my life. But if there is some flexibility, I mean, you know, I I love Texas, Florida, Arizona, New Mexico, and California, man. Those are the, the sun okay. states, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I want to go back to the fitness thing because uh, we keep running into each other at uh, <laughs> the YMCA and we've seen you play. We've seen what you do. And it's like the physical demands on what you're trying to deliver at an Aldine show. Yeah must be the center of focus when you're planning your workout. Yeah. Well, it's so funny. If you were to look at pictures of me in my 20s and 30s, various stages of my 40s, um, I mean, I'm going to be 53. I look better now than I did in my 20s because um, in the 20s, my 20s, I was eight hours a day in a practice room. And, and it was like, you know, guzzling, you know, diet Dr. Peppers and eating whatever on the run. And now there's there's thoughtful. There, I, now I feel like I have a better control of uh, and knowledge of nutrition, hydration, supplementation, stretching, flexibility, functional strength, all that stuff, you know, yeah. and, um, and I, you know, I've always been a runner and, uh, you know, then I uh, experimented with your, you know, your Barry's boot camps, you know, the, the hit training stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I just, am, I love where I'm at where when, when it comes to health and fitness and nutrition, when you do all three of those things together in perfect synergy, the results are fantastic. Where other times in my life, I may have been doing only one of the three or two of the three. But when you're hydrating and you're supplementing and you're paying attention to what you're putting into your body and you know about you know, caloric burn and how much, you know, I burn a thousand calories when I play the drums, but when I'm not touring, then I have to think about burning that thousand calories in a different way. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think, I just feel like I finally, 
in my mid forties to now got a handle on it. You know, where did that come from? Where did you learn about that? I learned a lot from my buddy, Jimmy Elcock, who's coming out on the road with us because he, you know, he was a heavier version of himself. And then he just started working at Barry's boot camp, And then he just started doing all the workouts and figuring out the protein shake thing and everything. And he's the kid just transformed his body. And then I was so inspired by it. And I was like, man, I'm going to do that same thing. Last summer I was shredded, man. I was the tightest and smallest I've ever been. And my girlfriend's like, ah, you're a little, you were a little too small. So then you want to make her happy too. So <laughs> she's like, she's like, you're great, man. You got a flat stomach. What are you worried about? You know, just, you know, eat, enjoy life, get there. So it's the balance, you know, it's always that balance. I'm Italian, you know? So like, if I go see my mom, there's a lot of carbohydrates, man, but I'm not yeah. going to say no to my mom because who knows how much time we have together. Yeah, you know, that's how yeah, we show love. Yeah. We eat. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then you and then you make up for it at the YMCA, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything in moderation, including moderation. Yeah. Is well, yeah. my mantra. Yeah. Uh, man, that's that's amazing. Well, tell me about the podcast, uh, the Rich Redmond show. Uh you sent me uh, it was 158 episodes. Is that where we're at now? Yeah. Okay. Isn't that All crazy? Right. Uh I What mean, are you on like 600 now or something? Yeah, it's 6,402. No. <laughs> we had 400 Earlier this year, oh yeah, started the new, the new year. We kind of like set it up so we'd hit four hundred, and uh, had listeners call in and and talk about things. And nice, just donate, just kind of a listener love fest. Oh, you, you and uh, Nick Graffini. I think Nick Graffini is like pushing seven hundred or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. Well, and I I'm got my co-host through knowing Nick. You know, so Nick my is the podcast. He is the center of the. He's because yesterday I said, "Hey, man, I don't know what's going on, but the first fifty-seven episodes of my podcast are gone. They're not on Spotify. They're not on Apple." He goes, "All right, let's get in there." So we go. We open up Libsyn and we start talking to. He goes, oh yeah, I've got the setting now. So you had it so you can only show a hundred yeah, episodes. Yeah. Now he goes, "I cranked it to where it's a thousand. So yeah. it's like I'm like, all right. Well, ex- exactly. I mean, so shout out to Nick because Nick early knows. on in the first year of this, I called him. I need advice. He really didn't know me. And then, yeah. you know, as we got to know each other, then he connected me with Zach. And that's a whole long story. But yeah, shout out to him. And I, I just love that podcasting community. And uh, it just reinforces the narrative that drummers are just such a great community. We get along pretty well. Yep. Um, I, I, I think there's a lot to it. We're all wired that way, but also we don't have to play together. So we can. it's so good. You know, <laughs> you know, who, you know who my uh, my 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 socializing um, like hero is, and I don't really need any help socializing. I'm a social butterfly, but if you go hit the town at any night in Nashville, you will run into Keo Strap. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, and, and I, and, and he was like, how did, you know, people were like, well, Keo, you're always working. He's always working because he's man on the street. He's constantly reminding people that he exists. Yeah. And yeah. people were like, Oh, I need a drummer. I just saw Keel last night. I bet he's around. He, matter of fact, he just told me he's around for the whole month. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's important. You know, the first decade I was in Nashville, if I wasn't doing my own gig, I went out to writer's nights, the Bluebird showcases. I went to the exit and saw bands. I was just out. Yeah, know? yeah. I, you know? It's a reminder that you have to be seen. Yeah. You know, it's like out of sight, out of mind is very real in this town, especially when... 
it's there's new people coming to town that maybe you've been here for over 20 years, but no one's no one knows who you are. Dude, you're, and, you, there's a whole flock of, of new excited people that are moving here. Yeah, it's crazy. I used to, you know, back in the day, we'd all go to. 12th and Porter, like between like 99 and 2005, we'd all go to 12th and Porter and we all knew each other. All of us knew everyone in the room. And then as the year started to go by, we would a year after year, I'd be like, I would know less and less people like yeah. new faces coming to town. So that's why it's, it's really important. Like all these new, um, you know, sidemen, artists, songwriters, producers are all coming here. So you never really can just say, I made it. I know everyone, you know, it's, it's, no, it's, it's, no, it's going to be very humbling. And, and that's the thing. I feel like I'm kind of going through that again and I'm happy to, yeah. but I have to humble myself and say, well, you know what? It's time to go out. It's time to just meet new people, maybe do a gig that you would have said no to a few years ago. Mm-hmm. But, um, but these are life decisions that I, you know, it's like, you just, you just have to figure out your journey. But your story is already, it's, it's already different, you know, because you, your icebreaker, your, um, elevator pitch is, is bigger now than it was 20 years ago. Well, hopefully. Cause, cause you can, you can meet somebody who like, Oh, didn't I see you doing the thing with the front man? Like, you're like, yeah, dude, that was me. And you're like, Oh, mm-hmm. still, you sound great. Da, da. Yeah. You know, as opposed to, to whenever it was 20 years ago, and you're like, I just moved to town. I'm looking for work. Yeah, yeah. No, you've worked. You have right, a resume right, and right, it's right, great. Right, you know? right, right. Tell me about the, uh, like how you would do your elevator pitch for your podcast. Because we are talking about yeah. Nick, we're talking about, Everybody has a. You know, when when I first started this, very few podcasts were around. A lot of guests I would invite were like, "Well, I don't even know what this thing is." It just makes you think how smart and or lucky and or perfect timing was Mark Marin fourteen years ago <laughs> when they call it a podcast because it ended up being downloaded onto your iPod. iPod, yeah. I mean, yeah. and now the kids, you know, Google done, it. Google it. if you don't know what an yeah, iPod it, is. You can Google. I've it. shown up to some like five years ago. I did a clinic and I had an iPod into my mixer and and literally a kid that was helping me was doing front of house. He did not know what it was. <laughs> I was like, "What? <laughs> this is crazy." Uh, so, like, what's the style? What's 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 your approach? Um, how would you describe it to somebody? It's like, okay, well, uh, you know, we had this guest, you know, we, I, I heard him on Nick Graffini. I heard him on, you know, Drum Candy, but he's going to be on Rich Redmond's show. So what am I expecting? Well, I try to go for, um, you know, very loose and free flowing and we want to laugh. We want to love, we want to learn, you know, and we just kind of like, I do the research and I throw it away. Yeah. And then, um, and then what makes it different is sometimes I do solo episodes, uh, but I have a co-host, Jim McCarthy, who's been my friend and videographer and, um, voiceover coach for like the last 15 years. Like wow. we're good pals. We're both from Connecticut and he's just funny and he's a, he's a drummer, but he plays for fun. You know, he doesn't have the stress of having to pay his bills. Um, so that's kind of fun. It's almost like a Howard Stern Robin kind of like model, you okay, know, where, sure, sure. you know, he chimes in and that's kind of fun. Um, but originally I wanted it to be a showcase for my hosting skills because, you know, I'm very, I'm very, 
I'm very drawn to the idea of doing something still in Hollywood. I really would like to either be on a sitcom or host a show or do some voiceover. Like I'm, I'm not done with California. Like okay. I still, I want to do something like that. I was yeah. like, this is a perfect way for me to constantly be working on my interview skills, be able to think on my feet, yes. be able to jib and jab. And it was very, the first couple episodes were very buttoned up. I was going for like a Seacrest Mario Lopez thing. And then it just got more loose and loose and loose. And I think people enjoy and prefer the, I'm a voyeur listening to two people having coffee mm-hmm. as opposed to the question, answer, question, answer. And also, I wanted the show to be more about, like, I I interviewed a body language coach. I interviewed a couple of thought leaders. Um, I had Victoria Jackson from SNL on. I had Huey Lewis on. Um, Various producers, Dan Huff. And people like the stuff. But for the most part, the low-hanging fruit and the people that know me and my audience is drummers. So anytime I have a drummer on... The download numbers are way higher. People love it. So, you know, I'm still going to sprinkle in, you know, the producers and the musicians and some other, if I'm attracted to somebody and I have the ability to say, hey, you want to do this? They agree. I'm going to have them on the show. But, you know, drummers, man, you know, I just went and saw Steve Miller, my buddy Rick Ron Wixo is playing drums. You know, he played with uh, Foreigner and David Lee Roth and he's got a huge rock resume, Santana. He was slaying it out there at the new uh, First Bank Amphitheater. Oh, it's out in Franklin. And I, and, I, and I hadn't seen him in a long time. Gave him a hug for the show. Saw the show. He was killing it. Texted him. You got to come see. You got to come do the show. You got to come do the show. Matt yeah, Krause has got to come do the show. So, so I have, I have so many friends. We have so many friends in the drum industry. Yeah. So we're never going to run out of guests. In the beginning, like I said, when I said I was going for a more buttoned up approach, because even before the Rich Redman show, I had a thing called the Pick Bitch's Brain podcast, and I mm. maybe had 20 or 25 episodes. Um, and I, but that was very buttoned up. I was really working on almost like a newscaster, no ums, ors, like, I mean, none of that. Like I was taking that all, all out of my language. And the more I listened to Joe Rogan and Mark Maron, it's literally like, how many times does Mark say literally like, I mean, um, it's like, just (laughs) no one gives a fuck. It's just like two people doing the thing. Yeah. And they go to places where people are crying on the air and tapping into trauma. And like, I don't Sometimes I, I don't want it to be that heavy. Like I'd rather be a little bit more in the land of unicorns and rainbows. But but I, that's when I started just not worrying about. Yeah. Just make it conversational. Yeah. There's a podcast I listen to. It's about music production. And the guy intentionally leaves these pauses in when he's making a point. And there's sometimes dead air in there. And I find it very. Um, Unsettling. Effective. Oh, effective. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it could go either way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, hello. And you're like turning your, then you crank it up on the car stereo and then, yeah, then he comes back on. Yeah. A few years ago when I was teaching, uh, I was getting my students to buy Fundamentals of Drumming for Kids. Oh, that's great. Thank so you. So I was using your book wow. and I think we even talked about it when you were on. Um, then you have the crash course for success, five ways to supercharge your personal and professional life. It's <laughs> a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> Um, working on my, uh, uh, voiceover skills. Yes. <laughs> Brand new book. Yes. It's supposed to come out May 50. I have my copy. Right there. Making Yay. it in country music and insiders is a guide to the industry or look at the industry. Okay. 
I have Look my copy. Listen, listen, this is a, this is an audio only podcast. Listen to this book. Well, <laughs> effective pause. <laughs> yeah, man. You're starting to sweat, man. There's too much dead air. You know, I mean, that's it's 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 a it's a hardcover, which I am it's very hard. proud of because Roman and Littlefield, the publisher, you know, they're in London, Dubai, United States. It's a real publisher, and when a, when a publisher really believes in something, they'll put it in hardback, and hardback mm-hmm. is super classy, man. It's you know, and then you'll be able to get it on your device. Okay. And then after one year, what do you have an iPod? It'll go to paperback. Oh yeah. Can I get it my iPod? Need your iPod, yeah. <laughs> and hopefully, the, hopefully the the reaction and the sales will be strong enough that they will allow me to do an audible read. Like for my last book, Crash, that was self published. So I read my own. I read my own read on audible and if you okay. sign up for audible mm-hmm. it's one of the free offerings you can get crash for free which is fun because that was so fun because there's dr- drums start and stop every episode so it's kind of like so it's me playing in my studio like sounds really good and it starts and stops each uh each each chapter so that was fun you know to do the to do the read so i hope that either let me do the read because people are already asking it's going to come out on audible and i'm like first Get get the hardback. It's you know yeah. celebrate the hardback. It's my first hardback book. So that's that. Yeah, it looks it looks really great. And what was the inspiration to to do this? Well, my co-author on Fundamentals of Drumming for Kids was Mr. Michael Aubrecht he, uh, over a decade ago, and about seven years ago, he said you need to write a book about people that first moved to Nashville, and the book was called Nashville. Now what? And so it was all, it was a guide to navigating the music business in Nashville. And so we kind of worked on it and I don't know, something, it got put to the back burner. I didn't think the timing was right. You know, I didn't know if the powers that be in my organization would approve it, you know, Mm -hmm. and then, um, I met this gal, Jennifer Delazana, who's a great editor and author, and she got us the publishing deal. She went to bat, searched the world over, got us the publishing deal and said, I got us a publishing deal. And I was like, well, fantastic. Now we have to write the book. So we took about a year and we, we got it done and it, and it's unbelievable to see how something, um, manifests itself over zoom conversations, emails back and forth. And the next thing you know, you're holding this thing in your hand. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, already you've got, you know, people commenting on the back you've got accolades and and so you that probably in preparation to get it out paid accolades no no those are that those those are basically uh, you know it's a nice people like uh, neil thrasher a hit songwriter you know clay bradley from bmi or michael knox um you know just saying yeah just saying like just saying hey man you know this guy has been around a long time and he might have a thing or two to say you know this book um it may it might have helped us when we moved here if it can save five years on someone's journey just from some of the insights and i'm not a genius and it's not like i you will be successful if you follow these things mm-hmm. just, just some things i notice these are places you go this is where you meet people join the union do this don't do that you know and that's basically what it is and you could read it probably on a short southwest airlines flight you know <laughs> i'm gonna be reading it but what what how will this apply? How will this be applicable to me in my life? I don't know if you'll necessarily um, 
learn anything because you've been able to navigate this system, but maybe it'll reinforce things as you're teaching people or, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, but I would say all the new, even a, and this is not just for drummers, it's for all musicians, it's for anybody that wants to move to Nashville. And one of the chapters is where I highlight job opportunities in the music business. So we're talking riggers, carpenters, monitor yep. people, front of house engineers, chefs, social media experts, photographers, semi-drivers, um, publicists. I outline all the jobs you can potentially have in the music business. Yeah. And I just, and I, I just went to my alma mater, University of North Texas. I hadn't been in back in 28 years. Oh my gosh. So me and Bissonette did a clinic for the Texas Day of Percussion. And I got to speak to the music business department. Now, 28 years ago at the University of North Texas, they just wanted to crank out amazing jazz musicians. Now they're responding to modern times and they're saying like, look, at there's people that are interested in music. They don't play a musical instrument, but they want to be in the music business. Maybe they'll be entertainment lawyers. Maybe they'll be. And so I got to speak to the music business department and uh, I'm hoping potentially this could be a book that any college music business department mm -hmm. could pick up yeah. as required reading, you know? Yeah. Do you know Mark Poise? He plays yeah, with Tyler Farr? Yeah, of course, of course. So I'm a big fan of Mark, and we toured together for two years. And I saw Mark last night, and I just want to make sure that that I spell his last name correctly for everyone. It's really funny. We've been friends oh, for... Yeah. Here we go. Mark uh, Poise, and it's his last name is spelled P-O-I-E-S-Z. Yeah. You nailed it. So Mark has a program called The Big Three, and it's basically these are the three big picture things you need to, if you want to get the big gig, you know, in other mm -hmm. words, a touring job. Yeah. And, um, it's a, it's a training program and he has cool things like at the end of each module, you have to have people fill out a questionnaire on your behalf. Like, Oh, these wow. are all the things, yeah. all the boxes you have to check to be a touring musician, you know, personality, people skills, showing up on time, all that stuff. And you don't fill it out. Other people fill it out. And I said, that is brilliant. Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable. So I just wanted to give, uh, if you hit Mark on Instagram, I just wanted to promote his uh, new educational product because I remember when I came out with drummingintheModernWorld.com and you spend all this money creating a product and then the only way to really let people know it exists is to be somewhat of a snake oil salesman. You have to constantly be reminding people that this thing exists and now that product for me is eight years old. I can't believe it, but it's you, people can still buy it and once you buy it, you stream it for a lifetime. Yeah, you know? yeah. So. Well, it's interesting you said that. Mark and I spoke about a month ago yeah. when he first kind of launched this. I said, I want you to come back on and talk about this because I'm, I'm a fan of his as well. From yeah. the first time he was on years ago, uh, had a fitness round table yeah. that he came on. Uh, so he's been on a couple times. Yeah. But uh, yeah, getting to know him, I think that was another example of having someone like, man, he's doing some cool things. I'm going to have this guy on the show. And we sit there and, and then he just, his personality comes across as like, Good Lord, this young man has some things figured out, which is and really just articulate and uh, highly articulate, very yeah. smart. Studied with Steve Rucker at the yeah. University of Miami, and um, it's a Mark Poise love fest, right? It's now. a my and, and also during the the pandemic, he went and got certified to be literally a life coach. Yeah, and and, and you know, it's like you know. Uh, Kevin Murphy would say, you know, he, he would say, what's your side hustle? You know, Kevin, what's up, man? But we, we got to catch up. Um, but, uh, you know, what's the side? Like, you know, he's got side hustles, including a hot sauce. 
You know what I mean? He's yeah, got yeah. a hot sauce brand. I got a couple different side hustles. Mark's got a, he's a life coach. You know what I mean? So it's, 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 it's amazing. It's good to have some other little thing that interests you. Well, and also, uh, that interests you or that may be necessary to do so that you can stay focused on what it is that inspires you, if it's music and drumming, whatever. So there's things, and we've talked about this before, sometimes it's necessary to get that gig at the coffee shop or to do some other things. Uh, When I first came off the road, my wife got a new job, and so she was doing a little bit of a side hustle before she got more of a full-time job. So she was working more, I was working less. Guess what? I took over her side hustle that she did three days a month and it's like i'm proud of that yeah. i mentioned it on the podcast before and so i just we want people to know that this is an unpredictable industry mm. and there's perception and there's reality and so it's i think it's very inspiring for people to know that rich redmond has other things that he's doing i mean yeah you've spent time like this is my area of focus and I want to pursue acting. I'm going to do voiceover work. I'm going to do these other things. Uh, so it, 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 it all falls under that. This is what I, this is what drives me. This is what I'm excited about, Yeah, you know, just as much as drumming. Um, but there are also times when you have to do things that you don't want to do yeah. in order to pay the bills. So you can stay focused on those goals n- until they actually happen. Yeah. And, 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 you can't reiterate this enough, but relationships, relationships, relationships. This is a business that does not focus or work on with Monster.com or LinkedIn or resumes. It's about the relationships. I wish they talked about – my son goes to the Nashville School of the Arts, and I'm like, I want to do a clinic on relationships. Do it. Do it. Talk to those kids as early as possible. I mean, look at another graduate of my Drummer's Weekend is this kid named Braden Griffith. He has navigated this business to the point where he is now the, not the day-to-day manager, not the road manager. He is the manager for Gary LaVox. Oh, wow. He is 24 years old. Okay. I got a hold of him when he was 14 and he thought he was going to be a drummer and he's, he's a good little drummer, but then he, he played for a bunch of acts. Then he said, I really like this other, I like this management thing. He figured out how to advance shows. He learned how to be a road manager. Then he was a day-to-day manager. And now he's a straight up manager. And I just did the voiceover for the commercial for Gary LaVox's 2023 tour. I got the job from Braden Griffith. Nice. So these are relationships. You never know how these things are going to manifest and it could be, the day after you meet someone, or it could be 10 years later. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, Who's the drummer we know played with? Um, this is happening to me more and more. I need my uh, Prevagen. Uh, <laughs> gosh, I can't remember the artist. He played with Joan Jed and. and oh, uh, Sandy Gennaro. Sandy Gennaro has stories of like how he got the Cindy. Cindy Lauper gig happened Cindy because Lauper. he shook someone's hand on the way out the door and he didn't want to shake the guy's hand or really even talk to the guy because their ride was leaving. And five or eight years later, the guy was producing Cindy Lauper and that's how he got that. And, and and Sandy has these amazing stories and he's been able to put those stories into a framework that is educational and entertaining and is now a keynote speaker. Right. Yeah. You know, so. What a great dude. Yeah. Well, speaking of rock drummers, this I didn't know. Top 60 rock drummers of all time, Drum Magazine. I, man, what an accolade. I don't know who I know at Drum Magazine. I used to know 
all the powers that be at that magazine, I feel have moved on, but there's someone there that must really like me. Um, cause I just, it just showed up on the internet one day. Someone sent it to me. I was like, dude, they, they, they underlined of all time. I'm like, well, you know, it's a reliable source and I'm not going to, I'm not going to fight it. It's just, it's just pretty cool. You know? Tell me about this gig. Uh, recently playing in an all-star band, backing up Billy Gibbons slash Paul Rogers. I, I saw those pictures, man. Dude, that's, that's, that's Paul super awesome. Rogers singing in your in-ear monitors is like my childhood rock and roll dreams. The what guy, song did you play? Well, we did... Um, we did Simple Man by Leonard Skinner because Gary Rossington has just passed and he was the last original member of Leonard Skinner right around the time they've been around for 50 years. So the powers that be at CMT are like, let's do uh, let's do a tribute mm-hmm. to Gary and Leonard Skinner and we'll do it in a super classy way and we'll put an all-star band together. So it was, you know, Cody Johnson, you know, representing the genre. He's really popular right now and is a great kid, great singer. Um, the, the band was led by Chuck Lavelle, who's been the Rolling Stones band leader since 1983 and, uh, Paul Rogers on vocals, uh, Billy Gibbons on guitar slash on guitar, Leanne Rimes and Winona as background vocalists and Warren Haynes from government mule. And then I, then I was able to get my buddy, Ethan Pilzer again, relationships who I've known since 1998 playing with in rock bands at 12th and Porter. I said, man. We're going to do this thing, man. You're going to, we're going to fly to Austin. We're going to rehearse with these guys. It's going to be great. This is what it pays. They're putting us up. He's like, bash, sign me up. It was a great time. Um, but just a, just a super band, but just to like have Paul Rogers playing tambourine with me, uh, with my drumming. And he's like, yeah, great job on the drums, mate. Just fair to saw like it, you know? And then <laughs> Billy high five me and was like, Hey man, you're a great showman, really musical, keep in touch. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. when I see you in Nashville, he's like, yeah, I bought a place in Nashville. People see him at Trader Joe's and Green Hills all the time. <laughs> yeah. But, um, well, tell me about the rehearsal. It was tell amazing. The- it was just, everybody was everybody and their managers and their entourages and their significant others were all there and not a jerk in the place. It was just all awesome people. Yeah. yeah. You know, I just feel like people at the highest levels in the industry are usually some of the most comfortable in their skin and are the nicest. The people that can be kind of jerky are the ones that are like in the mid and they're trying to make that jump and they can't figure out why it's not happening. That was lesson number one when I moved here and and, and was working for Gary at Forks is getting to know these musicians, these Nashville players that I did not know and seeing that, man, Greg Morrow, I, this guy is like the nicest guy. And then I find out what he's done. He's the most aw shucks guy. Yeah, yeah. Greg, we, I love what you did. My God, that thing you did. Aw shucks. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's just, you know. So so I'll, I'll, I just have to be nice. And then people will think that I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, seriously, was there a band lead, leader in this scenario? I mean, like how? Oh, yeah, that was that was Chuck Lavelle, the 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 keyboard player from the Rolling Stones. Gotcha. And gotcha. Um, and it was just you know it it took care of itself. Everybody learned the songs, and we got together and worked everything out. And every time we ran it and camera blocked and got down to the wire, it just got better and better. And and then you know 
when it's time to do it, it's time to do it. And 5 million people are watching and you can't drop a stick or, you know, I had that chart taped to the bass drum, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting. We talk about this where you can have a band leader, a musical director, but when you're sitting on the drum throne, you kind of have to assume that role automatically. Even if they're in name doing it, you have to assist them in that process because, there you go. because my instrument can be louder than anyone's mm -hmm. you know and it's also so physical and visually it's almost like having a conductor up there yeah so like chuck was great we had a we had this almost like orchestral ending with all sorts of pauses and a giant retard mm -hmm. and chuck was like we can he goes i can conduct or we can all just watch Rich. Yeah, and um, yeah, yeah. and I said, well, eat whatever, whatever you want to do. So I just went even bigger with the animation and everybody just followed me on all mm -hmm. the stuff. Mm -hmm. And we have that we have that ability because our instrument is so physical and so visual. Right, you know? right. They rely on you. Anything about you? You're, you're an open book. You've written books. Yeah, the open book thing is, uh, yeah. Is there anything about you that people would be surprised to know? Interesting, man. I, hmm. Yeah. Um, you like stuffed I'm an old softy. You know, I, I'll <laughs> cry at a, you know, I'll watch Big Bang Theory and I'll cry, man. You know, I just, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty tapped into my, to my emotions. You think so more so now than you were before? Um, I think once you experience life and you've suffered loss and heartbreak and things, we yeah, become, yeah. you know, it gets, you know, we get softer, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like the old codger who's like, used to be a real crabby, get off my lawn. And yeah. now he's just like, hey. you know, especially when people like recover from things like, uh, you know, I've had people and teachers and stuff that have had, that were kind of hard asses and then they, they have a little bout with cancer or, you know, somebody dies in their family and then, then all of a sudden they're just not that person anymore. Yeah. You know? No, I, I, I totally get that. There's young players that I work with now. They're like, man, you're like the chillest, nicest person. I'm like, yeah, it's taken some time to get there. <laughs> you know, I, 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 you prioritize your yeah. energy, Yeah. you know, and I think you make room for just being expressive and, and, and knowing how to manage those things. Uh, so you're not wasting all your energy and emotional energy on things. It's just, you have no control. Of. Just contr just focus on the things you can control and the other things you just have to release to the, 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 the universe. There you go. There you go. Uh, any, now you, I, 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 sometimes when you finish a big project, like a book or whatever, you're just like, Ugh, I just need a break. But are you thinking about the next thing? And is there something else that you're thinking of? Yeah. Um, well, this year is going to be really fun because we've got this tour. Like back in the day, we would we would do 200 shows a year and we were just gone all year long. And then, you know, we went from 200 to 180 and then the 150 and then the 125 and then about six years of just doing 80 shows a year. And now we're down to 50 or 60 shows a year, which are completely manageable, which which find, now I find myself in town more often. And I have the I have all the honeydew things like change the air filter, make sure the lawn gets cut. I have actually have food in my refrigerator. It's, it's like crazy. Like I've got like a home life. I, I can go out yeah. on my deck and maybe, you know, smoke a cigar and listen to the birds chirp and the... 
I am becoming that old softy, kind of like paying attention to things in the world that I never had time for because I was on the grind to be the best drummer I could possibly be, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And then you check a couple of boxes and then you realize, oh my God. You know, my dad said, I said, dad, I'm in my midlife. Mm-hmm. He goes, son, how many 106 year olds do you know? He goes, you're on the back third, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? So what I mean? You never know, man. You never know. And man. tomorrow is not promised, right? You know, yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. you know, what did Warren Zevon said? He said, enjoy every sandwich. That's the advice he gave to David Letterman because he was terminally, terminally ill. And he said, enjoy every sandwich. He man. also wrote a book called I'll Sleep When I'm Dead. Yeah. So, I mean, but. No, so that's I'm, the thing is like yeah. everybody's chasing. We're trying to keep up with the Joneses. So we're chasing something which requires massive effort and work but at the same time you want to you know i break up my work by having these little mini moments like this is not work i'm sharing time with a friend mm-hmm. and then tonight i got a cigar date you yeah, know with yeah. my with this friend that kind of like books me around town doing the MC work and everything mixing business and pleasure you know it's like I don't necessarily have to go I haven't had a proper vacation in seven years now for me it's vacation a vacation is toes in the sand drink in the hand you know free food crystal clear water unplug to me that's like you know some people will be like we're going to we're going to Rome we're going to go say I want to be on a beach somewhere mm-hmm. with the palm trees swaying. That's to me is like, and I haven't done that in seven years. Wow. But um, I find these little moments every day. Our brains are full of a lot of information from these devices. And these devices are literally changing human behavior. And so what I do is if you notice, like <clears throat> my phone is, I have no sounds on. I have no ringtone. I have no sounds on for notifications. And the phone is face down. Yeah, same. This is a thing. This is a thing that I do that I try to make habitual that if I'm spending time with someone, even if it's for just 20 minutes, I try to give them my undivided attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's a thing of the past. And it's something I'm trying to hold on to because we are so like zombies addicted to these things. I mean, I remember one time being with my band a day off in San Francisco and I almost got run over by a trolley because I was staring at my phone and walking into the street. Yeah. You know what I mean? My friend grabbed me by the hoodie collar and pulled me back. I was like, oh my God. So anytime we can get off these devices. And that's not a, that's not a young person thing. That's an all of us thing. We all stare at our phones and we're, yeah, we're fucking up our brain. We're hurting our necks. Dude, I, (laughs) I saw an article today from a a major jazz educator and he was like, he had to light up his students and let them know, look at no calling or texting at this rehearse at any of our rehearsals because kids were actually picking up their phones while they're counting rests and responding to texts and then missing entrances. <laughs> and it's like, no, 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 you can't, you can't be texting during a rehearsal. Yeah. You know what I mean? You only got 50 minutes in an academic ensemble and yeah. you got things to do. We got a concert coming up, you know, um, what, what do they do with the kids now? Do they let them? Did they let eighth graders have cell phones in schools? I'm past that, man. I, I, I'm not really sure how they do that. I mean, do your kids have uh Yeah, they've got phones. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, they're they're seniors in high school and college. Yeah. And college yeah. you know, I'm wondering what the rules like are. Because if I was, you know, because that was one of the jobs I worked when I moved to Nashville was to be a substitute teacher. We didn't yeah, have to worry yeah. about that back then. It was just, you know, stop 
stop, uh, you know, throwing wads of paper at the girl next to you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. stop. Yeah. Um, but now it's, I'm sure the kids are on their devices. Yeah. And, and, and my advice to my kids is, is just basically let, let other people do that. You'll stand out, uh, you know, as, as the person actually isn't staring at their phone or is, is, is doing it and engaging with other people. So yeah. uh, there's, there's opportunities, uh, within that, uh, that noise, but anyways. Dude, isn't this incredible that we um, are still doing this? Like, this is something we wanted to do since our childhood, and we did the work, and then we came to a place in these United States where we could actually put it into action. And we did that, and we bought a house. <laughs> this is the American dream. I am uh, able to, at this point, reflect upon it with uh, much gratitude. And uh, like you mentioned before, just kind of my path has been, you know, it's 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 music, but it's also there's other aspects of my life that I wanted to accomplish. And yeah. as my uh, my sons are doing the things that they need to do through school and education, uh, it allows me to take less to to take my attention off of my own pursuits and 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 just sit back and enjoy the fruits of their labor and the uh, foundation that my wife first and foremost and then yeah. me bringing up the rear there. you guys been married a long time right 20 years or something 23 years incredible yeah Congrats, in 2000 man. dragged her down here and then got married so she, she wouldn't leave that's awesome yeah so no I, I i totally agree and um i i still am uh that being said I still am learning and growing. Yeah. Um, I, I was downloading some videos from a lesson I had with Bruce Becker yesterday. Oh, yeah. How'd my that second lesson, lesson. He was a guest on a couple weeks ago, which is great. But I'm just, I'm, I'm at a place where I'm learning and growing, but for new reasons. Yeah. And um, so it's like, I still want to grow. And you talk about, you know, I don't have time to, well, I, I kind of have, it's kind of a slow time for me right now. So yeah. it's like, I actually am spending some time in the practice room, nice. but like, what am I practicing? Why am I practicing? Those are all different than when I was in my twenties, Yeah, you know, and some of it has to do with like, how do I physically hold myself? How do I, you know, the, what I do at the Y when we see each other. Yeah is very similar to what I do in the practice room. It's yeah. like, what's the intentionality here? Yeah. You know, and how does that, how does my age and the stage of my life reflect that, those goals? Yeah. If that makes sense. Totally, man. It's, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, you know, I wake up with, and I talk to a lot of my friends, you know, the you know, uh, rock type giant backbeat drummers. And they're like, yeah, man, you know, I wake up with my hand tingling and it's like you know this stuff is gonna i mean we're we've got two pieces of wood and we're hitting plastic wood and metal yeah. with ferocity you know you're gonna have to stretch and ice and heat and it, it's just gonna happen yeah or or reevaluate kind of how you're doing and i thought i was doing all the right things but in combination of just day-to-day -day living uh aaron apter who i worked with he said it's like You've got a brand new car when you're young and you are driving in first gear and you can do that for a while. But at some point your car's going to be like, OK, I'm done. And it's going to. So it, you do you get away with so much. Yeah. Warming and, up is crucial, you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah An hour before the show, I got those yeah, sticks in my yeah, hands, man. Yeah, yeah. But for the most part, if you're using a whipping motion a la uh, molar and, you, and you're using that stroke, 
you've got a much better chance of not ending up with problems. Right. Well, and 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 that's why I'm excited. And when I talked with Bruce, he's I, you know, told him I said this was kind of what I'm dealing with. This is my age, and he's like, I have a lot of students your age coming to me, and he just I just love his just yeah Bruce confidence, and he's like, this has worked for someone, and I've done this, and you know, and just that connection with Freddie and, yeah. and all that stuff that goes back, and I'm totally. Like, yeah, I remember meeting out. Freddie Gruber at a party. And, Did you? And I said, I'm rich, and he goes, I'm poor. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What?" This is. And they started telling me Buddy Rich stories, but yeah. he was crusty. Yeah, yeah, lots of amazing. Um, Rich, thank you Incredible. for doing this again, man. Oh man, you know, you know, it's really funny. I, I don't in these podcasts. I don't necessarily get a lot of questions. It's so funny about my drumming, so I can think about this in two ways: either people don't like my drumming or there's other <laughs> things that are more interesting, big picture to talk about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but um, before we stop, I just wanted to just, it's small promosexual moment. Um, I've done 10 of these this year. I have a new offering. It's called wow. it my drum tensive. And it's basically literally, I've had 10 people fly in from all over the United States. We do it. We do um, a seven-hour day together. So we do three hours in the morning. We go to a nice lunch, and then we do three hours in the afternoon. Yeah. And I cover all the stuff that that student needs. But for the most part, the people that are coming, they all need the same thing. They're ignoring their left foot on the hi-hat. Uh, they only play one style. They don't know how to read music. They don't know rudiments. Like a lot of guys that are just playing in bands, they don't they sound good. They have good time. They play that style, but they don't really know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So getting them to be able to, to get to the point where they can read page 38 of the syncopation book and know about counting, yeah. put that to use with some nice sticking rules and then getting on the drums and then saying, Oh, you're a rock drummer. So, well, here's a two, four country beat and a four, four shuffle. And here's a, uh, a Texas uh, Chicago double shuffle. Here's the Lindy beat. Here's a bossa nova. Here's a smooth jazz beat. Um, here's a partito alto, a samba, a second line. They're, their mind explodes because they're just not exposed to that kind of stuff. So I am loving this. And I've already done 10 this year. So what's this called? It's called my drum tensive. Okay. And, and literally people will come, they'll come with their wives because Nashville is so hot. They stay in a hotel. They send the wife shopping to green Hills mm -hmm. and we'll do a seven hour day together. And by the end of that seven hours, one-on-one -on -one. One -on -one. and cause, cause I've done small master class type yeah, right, situations right. and I've done the drummers weekends, which are like, ta-da, like you're going to hang out with Ray Luzier and Mark Schulman and Kenny. But this is just the one-on-one -on -one. and we do that intense seven hours and your brain explodes at the end of it. But my goal is that no matter what, by the end of that seven hours, you have come, you have I got all your questions answered and we dive deep into this curriculum that can help anyone at any level. Yeah. Okay. It's been awesome. And they can find that richredman.com. Yeah, yeah, just, you know, hit me with at, um, at richredman.com or booking at richredman.com or send me a DM on Instagram like all the kids. Well, and we were talking with Bruce Becker the other day. It's like, man, just type in Bruce Becker drummer. In fact, I mean, just type in anything. It's going to come up. It's going to come up. Yeah. Right. But also the book. Where can they find the book? Where can they buy the book? Yes, it is Making It in Country Music, an insider's look at the industry. And, you know, the best place to get it, if you want to go down to your Barnes Noble and have a cup of coffee, sounds great. But, hey, just ring up Jeff Bezos, Amazon.com. It'll show up <laughs> at your door the next day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome, man. 
Thanks, Rich. Buddy, thank Good you so much, you, man. man. Yeah. Congrats. So there you have my conversation with Rich Redmond. If you haven't spent a lot of time with Rich or don't know him personally, you might wonder if this persona is real, if his energy is real. And I'm here to assure you, yes, this is the true Rich Redmond. And uh, I, I'm honored to call him a friend. And I, I think what you see is what you get. And his energy is infectious. And he continues to find new ways to create and work within this industry. And I hope you find it inspiring. And I'm real excited about this new book that he has out. And hope it uh, resonates with people that are interested in this part of the industry. Stay tuned next week for Zach Albetta's interview with Nasheed Waits. He's a New York jazz drummer playing with Christian McBride's New John Project. So check that out next week. But for now, everyone, thanks so much for listening. Keep in touch and hope to see you around. Bye-bye.